0: Alrighty, so let's get right into it. So we are still picking up in the book of Hebrews. We are rounding the end of this. Um, We're in Hebrews chapter 12 on understanding the order of Melchizedek and understanding what it means to be a royal priest. And uh, as we know, when it comes to the order of priesthood, we're all very familiar with the Levite priesthood, the priests that were ordained to carry out sacrifices and and sheep and, and goats and lambs and... Birds and grain and oil, and we're very familiar with them and how they operated in worshiping God in the Old Testament. But before the Levites, before this priestly order that we are familiar with, there was the Melchizedekian priests, and they were from Adam. And within the Melchizedekian priesthood, that high priest operated in all three offices of prophet, priest, and king. Now, over the course of Israel's journey from becoming Adam and Eve throughout all generations, Noah and the flood, Abraham and Isaac, Joseph, Israel, okay, throughout all of that, the priesthood began to be, the three offices of the priesthood began to divide um, for good checks and balances, as you can imagine, similar to how we have our government system of democracy, all right, with three arms, Of government legislative executive and judicial great good job guys way to go so over time uh, that one office of the Melchizedekian priesthood began to be divided into three different offices all right the prophet the priest and the king all right but what made a Melchizedekian priest truly king is that he wasn't just king over Israel he had to be king over the entire world he had to be the one that said who God was, ruled and conquered every other nation. And they would know who was next in line based off of if they were trained in understanding the history from Adam, because the accounts from Adam's life have been recorded throughout all the years in your Apocrypha, all right, which sounds bad, but it's not bad, all right? It's not a bad collection of books, okay? It's just uh, verified in the Dead Sea Scrolls, all right? Um, And then Jesus himself quotes books from the Apocrypha. So it's not bad. It's just not included in these books, in these texts. But they have some some weight and validity, as we have studied. Yes? okay. So all of that has happened. Now the Melchizedekian priesthood has been divided. But typically, you would know because they had been trained um, in the house of Noah. Uh, They had been trained um, with the house of, of Adam and Shem. And everybody was understanding who this god was since the fall. Right? And then not only was this person trained in the history of of the creation of the world and God and what he wanted and what happened when the fall happened, and this person also had to have divine intervention. Like God had to speak to him and speak to the previous Melchizedekian priest. And if they both got spoke to, then it was another sign that this is the next one. And the current Melchizedekian priest would not tell an upcoming Melchizedekian high priest that I believe you're the one. They would just all wait to see how it paired out. And then there would be a great war or some country would try to overtake them and then somehow he would, be, he would lead a great revival back to God and conquer whatever forces were reigning at that time, thus giving him the, he's the new head. Does that make sense? All of that happened, as we discussed, throughout this entire year, um, 10 times. There were 10 Melchizedekian priests up to Christ himself who then came as under, according to Hebrews, after the order of Melchizedek, which means he came to unite all of those offices back together again in one, right? Are you with me so far? So Hebrews gives a great teaching about the royal priesthood and what it means to be a Melchizedekian priest. This is important because we are called to be that, to be priests a royal priesthood after the order of Melchizedek. But not many Christians know what that means. Nor do we understand what we're supposed to be offering in terms of sacrifices. If we're not doing sheep, goats, and lambs, and, and pigeons, and birds anymore, then what, as a priest, do we offer? And what is our sacrifice? And and how do we do it? And and where? Does church count? And all of these questions we've been studying throughout the year. Um, but. Hebrews gives us a great teaching. I want to pick up from there on the last chapter, or the second to last chapter of the book of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 12. Amen? Amen. Amen. All right. So that gave you a a quick uh, review of understanding this theme for the year, becoming a royal priesthood, um, and then understanding the order of Melchizedek, who was before Abraham. So let's let's look at Hebrews chapter 12 verse 14 I think this is where we left off um, before Mother's Day Hebrews 12 verse 14 through 17 pursue peace with all people and holiness without which no one will see the Lord looking carefully lest anyone fall short of the grace of God lest any root of bitterness springing up cause trouble and by this many have become defiled lest there be any fornicator or profane person like Esau who for one morsel of food sold his birthright for, you know, that afterward when he wanted to inherit the blessing, he was rejected. Uh, for he found no place for repentance, though he sought it diligently with tears. Uh, these these past, these last couple of verses in Hebrews is coming off the heels of trying to make sure that we endure the chastening or the correction of God. And this is a new Testament scripture talking about how God will still correct us He will chasten us, rebuke us, and scourge us. Do you guys remember those three different categories? Do you remember? Okay. We're chastening. (laughs) Chastening says this is what you're not supposed to do, or this is what you're supposed to do. This is the teaching, all right, what to do. Rebuke says why did you do it, all right? And then scourging says this is why I told you not to do it, where God will actually use at the last stage uh, life situations on purpose to discipline you for what you weren't supposed to do. This is huge because people forget that that exists. That he chooses to use them purposefully to tell you why you shouldn't have done the thing that he told you beforehand not to do that you did anyway. Hello? I know what you're thinking. I don't need that. Everyone looks at themselves in the best light possible and go, you you ain't gotta scourge me. All you gotta do is talk to me. You can just tell me directly. Just explain it to me in a way that I understand and I will obey. Now some of us have, have have grown past that point and we understand, no, I need a good scourging every once in a while. I'm going to prove it to you. I'm going to prove it to you because I know you think that, no, 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 not me. All right. Esau was a story that is used in understanding this concept about chastening. And he says there's a point after we talk about enduring the chastening of the father, then he brings up this Esau situation and says, now listen, there are still some that even scourging does not work. Once I start using pain to try to reveal to you why I told you not to do something in the first place. You're not going to make me a tyrant. So you're going to try to look for repentance and I'm not going to give you a place for repentance. Now, what is interesting about this example here with Esau is Esau, as we know, sold his birthright to his younger brother. He was a firstborn and he sold the position of firstborn to his brother for a pot of stew because that day he was hungry. And so God is calling that profane that you would try to change the order of your life because of a temporary need. Hello? (laughs) The issue with Esau wasn't that he just didn't value the birthright, it was that God had preordained what order and position he would serve in his life and Esau decided to change that for a quick fix. Hello, somebody. That's, that's bigger than what you want to admit. Because I know you're thinking, I would never. Really? Because how many Christians have sinned as believers? Oh, interesting. So you are willing to change your position as a child of God to be in a position that is aligned more with Satan for a quick fix to a temporary problem. Hello? <laughs> we all have done it. But sometimes it bears witness that we don't look at these people as if they're so strange and evil. Hello? When this evil lurks on the inside of us, we're trying to find out some solutions to the evil that is lurking in me. And it's first to identify it through the word of God like a mirror. Oh, there, there I go. That's me. That is I right there. Some people have a hard time doing that. You could show it to them, and they would still think that their situation is different than the one that is presented in the scripture. Hello, but I, but my job is to preach to you that so you know no, it is you. It is. This is you. No, I, cause when I, it's you. But I was just thinking, it's you. I'm gonna show it. All right, so let's keep going. So Esau was used because he sold he sold his birthright, and then after he sold his birthright, he wanted when it was time for his father to pass to die. He wanted the blessing that goes with the birthright because the firstborn gets double, right? In terms of cattle, land, why? Because they have to lead the whole family and protect the whole family and keep the whole family. So so the blessing of the response that comes is doubled and increased because of the responsibility and the station and position that you have in life. What the issue with Esau was that he wanted the blessing, but despised how the blessing comes. Y'all don't want to play fair today. You want to be thin but you despise how thinness comes. Hello sir. You want to be toned and buff, but you despise how tone and buffness comes. You want to be holy and righteous, but you despise how holiness comes. Y'all don't want to play fair today. You want to be wealthy, but you despise how budgeting comes. Y'all don't want to. You want to be successful, but you despise the pain and work that it requires to be successful. Yeah. I know it because I counsel some of you. Yes. 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 Some of you have got to the point where you just stop wanting to be successful. You'd be like, just forget it. It's just too hard. I'll settle here. Even if you bury your talent in the ground, you are still condemned. You don't get no pass because you decided to hide it because it was too difficult. You're still judged based off of what he called you to be, what he called you to do, what position he called you to walk in your life. That's what you're judged on, not whether you want to do it or agree with it or not. You're judged because this is the position I put you in. I supplied certain personality traits specifically for you to occupy this area of life. And I did not supply other traits for you that you might grow and reduce your bad stuff and increase your good stuff. It's a whole process. Hello, somebody. I'm not going to give you great beauty, great intellect. Hello, somebody. And then a hoish spirit. Mm-mm. You're gonna have to grow, hello somebody, your beauty. You're gonna have to grow your intellect. Oh, y'all don't wanna play fair today. Y- y- y'all, don't be, y'all don't wanna be honest. You're gonna have to grow that other stuff cause you're too fine and too gorgeous. Hello. Some of this other stuff, you, why me? Why I gotta struggle? Why not you? If he gave it all to you, you wouldn't even be in that position. Hello, somebody. People say, Pastor, you smart. No, I'm not. I worked really hard. I wasn't born naturally smart. I just worked really, really hard. No, you guys, no, I worked. No, you were not there. (laughs) My parents were there. You can ask them. I worked hard in school. There are people that naturally got things and concepts in math and science and English that I did not naturally get, and I had to put in a lot of work and stay up. I had friends that were just natural geniuses, and it made me sick to my stomach. But in order to keep up with them, because I refuse to be denied the privileges of those who have intellect, I worked hard. Do you understand? That's how it works. But could you imagine if I knew I was smart, was smart, if I knew I was pretty, was pretty, hello, somebody, I would be not doing this. (laughs) Nobody would hire me. I'd have 15 kids out of wedlock. All my different daddies, I would because that's, I know my tendencies, okay? To speak for yourself, I know me. Hello, somebody. I will be living wealthy, large, and in charge. All my babies be having on Gucci. Everybody be dressed. <laughs> Hello, I have sugar daddies out the wazoo. I'm just being honest with myself. And I can speak on this because I'm so far from that, it is unrealistic. Uh, so are certain things he gave me the weaknesses in that I might have something to grow. And as they grow, the areas that needed to be brought low could be worked on being brought low. Y'all don't wanna play fair today, hello. As I try to increase these things that I need for what I know he's called me to do, then then I'm also decreasing the things that are a hindrance to what he's called me to do. This process is conflict. This process is conflict. It's mountains to climb rivers to cross valleys to pass through. That's what this process is increasing the strengths that are needed for where you are going while decreasing the weaknesses that will trip you up when you get there. That was the purpose of the wilderness. Y'all don't want to play fair today. That was the purpose of the wilderness. It was to do two things. Hello. To increase the traits that are needed for where you are going. And to decrease the things that will cause you a problem when you get there hello the reason we have to use this is because when we get down to verse 18 of Hebrews (laughs) so we see that Esau couldn't obtain the he did all the scourging he got all the chastening he got the rebuke and he cried and cried and cried and wanted his his blessing and his birthright back But God said no, and he said no through his father, his earthly father. So no matter how much he wanted the blessing, he couldn't have it. And the issue here with Esau's heart is that he wanted the blessing, not the birthright. He never cried because he couldn't be the firstborn. He cried because he could not have the benefits of what that responsibility called for. God knows that about our hearts so intricately, and that's that's what we're gonna look at. So let's look at verse 18 of Hebrews, okay? That was from a couple weeks ago, all right? So now let's look at for today. For you have not come, hello, Uh, what, y'all ready? (laughs) For you have not come to the mountain that may be touched and that burned with fire, and to blackness and darkness and tempest, and the sound of a trumpet and the voice of words, so that those who hear it begged that the word should not be spoken to them for they could not endure what was commanded. And if so much as a beast touches the mountain, it shall be stoned or shot with an arrow. And so terrifying was the sight that Moses said, I am exceedingly afraid and trembling. Let's go on down to the next verse. But you have come to a to Mount Zion, and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, to an innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly and church, the firstborn who are registered in heaven, to God, the judge of all, to the spirits of just men made perfect, to to, the, to Jesus, the mediator, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling that speaks better things than that of Abel, where Abel was slain by his brother Cain because he offered a better sacrifice than Cain did. All right? Um, so let's stop there. The conclusion of this uh, swatch of scriptures is that you're not going, you're not coming to that scary mountain, but you're coming to a host of witnesses and angels and just men made perfect that you get to walk to this Jesus who prepared a place for you and you get to see him with loving arms outstretched and that that gentle Jesus face that says come as you are and come to me all who are heavy laden and burdened and this is this is the invite we get it's so sweet and tender and loving hello somebody That is what we're supposed to be getting. And that is what we got. And most of us got saved from that, but we got saved from the new Testament. Jesus with no understanding of the old Testament God that he represented. And so we embrace new Testament Jesus, but this also creates in us. What's the word entitlement. The entitlement is, is, is evident in our greasy grace that I could sin and then tell the Lord to forgive me. Like, you know that you're going to do it and you know that you can ask for forgiveness. And so you budget that into your actions. Hello, somebody. And so the, the preparedness of sin and the only reason that is running in you is because you've accepted such a beautiful, loving, open armed Christ, but he was only supposed to be received based off of an understanding of old Testament. Those who brought the gospel were Jews. Christ himself was a Jew. They were trained in Old Testament law, not just understanding the rules, but the spirit of the law, because the spirit of the law is the what testimony of Jesus Christ himself. So we accept this love with open kindness and all the promises and all the blessings Hello, somebody. But we reject the birth. Y'all don't want to play fair today. You want all the blessings of all your sins forgiven and all the blessings of I love you in spite of it and unconditional and all the mercy and the favor and grace and declare it is yours and you can have it over there. You want all of that, but you despise the responsibility that comes with those blessings. (laughs) No? It's okay you ain't got to keep saying amen cuz I'm gonna still come for you it's alright It's alright what Daniel say I'm a beach of old and new let's go back to the sprinkling the Hebrews mentioned the sprinkling of blood there was a point where all of the children of Israel were sprinkled with blood did you know that yeah let's let's go back to Exodus somewhere in here now this story of Exodus The story of Israel coming out of of Egypt was, uh, is accounted in several verses, okay? Several different books. It's in Exodus, it's in Numbers. um, And so the timing is is, is intricate, okay? Exodus reveals the journey in months and then kind of combines what's happening with the laws that went with what's happening. And you could see that as Moses begins to discuss what's going on in sequence with the children of Israel, as he starts talking and communing with the communicating with the father, there's also an introduction of a law. All right. So I don't know if you've ever studied the book of Exodus, but that's the way it's written is this is what the children's journey looks like. This is what they did. And then this is what God instituted. And then this is what they did. And then this is what God instituted and this is what they did. So there was always a connection between the law that he was giving and how they were responding prior to that law remembering from what we talked about last week that the law was not given to the righteous laws were given to those who are unrighteous hello if you mean to do well you don't need no law but if you're trying to just skate by you trying to just just get just get through it you need a law cuz you're told gonna cross over and you are gonna die hello the children of Israel had this experience, all right, in great, de- in, in, in great detail. When, when they were in Israel, they got to Israel, I mean, they, excuse me, they got to Egypt through Joseph. They were, uh, Joseph was the, one, the father of Israel for the most part uh, because he had Jacob, Jacob and Esau. Jacob's name was changed to Israel. Jacob had 12 sons. That's how we get the 12 tribes of Israel, all right. This whole conglomerate started in Egypt when joseph was sold by his brothers into slavery in egypt yeah. he rose to the ranks freed himself became pharaoh's second in charge brought his family during the time of famine back and then from that point on all of israel prospered mm-hmm. in egypt they got so great that e- egypt got scared and decided to make them slaves mm-hmm. but the more they attacked israel the more they multiplied yeah. this was a great trait to have I don't know if you are that type of person, but the more pressure you put on me, the more almost obstinate I become. Yeah. Hello, y'all don't want, y'all hello? I, I don't know if you, if you, it's like the more you tell me no, the more something rises in me that says, and now, now on the surface, this is a very bad trait against good authority but it is a great trait against bad authority Y'all don't want to play fetid the issue is you never learned one to turn that coping mechanism off come on y'all don't want you have some childhood trauma hello somebody that told you that you had to resist bad authority and this trait that you use this this coping strategy has told you how to take care of yourself in the midst of bad authority bad parents bad childhood bad pastors hello somebody and it was very much so needed and it is great under bad authority, but it is terrible under good. And what God is not going to allow, he's not going to allow you to treat him the way, you, treat, the way you, uh, you treated your bad lovers. Just because you've had an experience of bad lovers does not mean you get to treat him the way you would have treated your bad lovers. Those who did you down bad, you can't come to him and treat him the way you had to close yourself off to those that hurt you, the way you had to shut down to those who tried to rule over you, the way you had to protect yourself. You can come into my love, but you cannot treat me the way you treated them. And I will work this out of you, but you have to be willing. You gotta recognize you got these traits. Hello, somebody. I pit you because you had them, but you need to turn that off with me. Hello, somebody. I pit you because you I built you that way to endure these problems for myself. That it might preserve you to give you an opportunity to get to me. Now that you're here with me, you can't treat me. The way you treated all these other blowjoes, all these other chicken heads. You can't treat me the way you had to protect yourself against your parent for those of us that had a rough childhood, and the way you had to protect yourself against your boyfriend or your girlfriend or the one that had those abusive words, you cannot come to me with this. So the children of Israel multiplied, no matter how much pressure Egypt put on them. They just kept growing and growing and growing. And God selected them because of that trait, similar to you. Under great adversity, under not so great stories of the past, not so great life circumstances, not so great upbringings, not so great, you still grew. How do I know? Because you're sitting here today. This is a real trait. No, I got prove it to you. Shut the hospitals. Check the insane, the, 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 the the mental deleted disabled units. Hello, somebody check the jail houses, check, check the drug uh, alleys. Check, check the crack houses, check the meth houses. Hello, somebody, these are individuals that could not grow under pressure. You are sitting here today, which is proof that he gave you the characteristic that will grow under great adversity. That's what he gave you. Why? For himself. He gave it to you for himself. That it might preserve you and keep you through the evilness of the world, for the deceitfulness of men and riches, through the pain and the degradation of what it means to be human, that it might preserve you for himself. So as you were growing under great pressure, similar to the children of Israel, he said, you know what? It's time. You've grown up to the point through all of this pain, and I see your tears of how you wish you had a better life and a better this and a better that, and I see that that your your current ruler is not doing you the way I would do you. It's time. Come on. You and me, let's go. Where are we going to go? Don't even worry about it. Let's just hop in the car. Let's ride. It's the thing you always wanted, isn't it? in the story you always wanted deliver me take me out of this pain of my rough childhood take me out of this insecurity take me out of this abuse take me out of these mindsets and this depression that is plaguing me deliver me oh God he said not a problem get in the car you and me son let's ride let's go where we going don't even worry about it. put your seatbelt on let's go as the distance becomes greater and your enemies begin to fall, you can just feel lighter. Hope is coming. And everybody that first took Christ felt that. It's like, whoo, I'm so glad that nightmare was over. This feels more like what I'm supposed to be doing. This Christian thing, this feels more more right. But the journey was a journey through the wilderness. And there's some misconceptions, we've had and I pray that today I can teach you and show you your misconceptions that this is the opportunity that the father has given you to turn because at the end of Hebrews at the end of Exodus there's always a decision and Hebrews gives us the Esau example because he was a person that when they finally decided it was too late so my sermon today is to help show you what maybe you did not understand about the wilderness experience in that you might turn while there's time. And I'm trying to reason with you. Hello. And you know, when it comes to demonic presupposition, I do two things. I give you the truth based off three things. I give you the truth based off the scripture. Then I give you basic reasoning and then I give you something to obey. This weakens the power of Satan over any person's life. So I've ar- I'm using scripture. I'm going to appeal to your basic reasoning. And at the end of the message today, you will have something to obey by way of a fast. All right, in hopes, in hopes. The wilderness experience as they left and Pharaoh's armies drowned in the Red Sea, they started marching onward to wherever God will have them to go. Two months in, two months in, chapter 16 of Exodus, two months in, uh, they got to some water, and the water was bitter. It was drinkable, all right? It didn't make the stomach hurt. It just tasted bad. And they cried out. said, why would you lead us to bitter-tasting water? And the Lord said, fret not. It's okay. Here. Here's some nice, sweet water for you. Moses, get that tree, put that tree in the river, and the water turned sweet, and it was no problem. Hello? Then he led them after that to a place that had 12 fountains of water 12 wells and 70 palm trees and they camped in this beautiful oasis in the middle of the wilderness isn't that sweet this is nice is real nice i could just imagine sitting in that oasis going you know what you is a good god look at how you delivered me from my enemy how you picked me chose me said you come with me let's ride and then you fought against this devil who was trying to stop me and keep me in abuse and you fought against him for me and you saved me and you rescued me and you look so strong and mighty and then you got me out here in the middle of a wilderness with some palm trees and some water you know I love me a good palm tree and some you is a good God seems reasonable and not only that but you, you, you let me leave with riches. I got silver and go, look at the, look at the, look at the diamonds and, and jewelry. You didn't look, look how we looking. Who gave you that? Them I- Egyptians gave it to us. They sent us out here with food and wealth. Look at how you got us looking. Oh, that be my baby daddy right there. That my man right there. That's my God right there. That's him. Loving it. Um, And the food that they took with them ran out. Water we get? Where are we gonna get food? We can't kill all the animals who will carry our stuff. <laughs> well, if we kill them, then how will we get other things? Now we're running out of food. Fret not, children. Watch this, manna. From heaven, food just rains from the sky, and then he says, "Now this is a test." He tells them, "I'm testing you." He tells them, "He does." Look at it. Look. Look at how you're looking. Look at. That was a test. I'm gonna test you. He said, "For six days, every morning you can go out and gather the manna." On the sixth day, I will give you double manna because on the seventh day, I don't want you to have to collect any manna. Don't harvest any manna. In the morning, they'll wake up, the dew would be on the earth. When the dew evaporated, there'll be tiny little bits of grain they could then use and make bread. This happened every day, every morning. New mercies they saw, right? Grain just showed up all over, all right? And they would go and gather it. They would eat enough bread for that day. If they tried to keep any for the next day, it would spoil all right on the sixth day there was always double so that they didn't have to work on the seventh that's the test the test was very plain don't gather on the seventh But well, wouldn't you know here goes some folk trying to gather on the seventh they wake up early in the morning like we gonna go ahead and get this okay because there's money to be made out there I gave you enough. Y'all don't want to play fair today. I gave you a portion that was sufficient for this day. Come on somebody. And then I gave you enough that would carry you when it was a shortage. Hello somebody. But you decided on the day I told you not to work, to go out and try to use this as your come up. You're going to use me as your come up. Oh man. Oh! I specifically gave you a job. I tell you, ask me, Pastor. What do you think God wants me to do? I use the woman of God to say, "Baby, I think you need to do this, that, and the other." You decided to go gather too. You decided to do extra, to do more. Hello, somebody. To work that extra hour, that overtime, that extra shift. You decided in your own self. When I know that when we first started this journey, I said, I will prepare this for you. The test was, would you still obey me when it seemed like you could have a come up? It's easy to obey when you're desperate. My back is against the wall. Might as well. But could you obey when you got options? Y'all don't want to play fair today. Could you obey? Because a person that can't obey when there's options is considered unfaithful. If I had to subtitle this message, it would be how to stop being unfaithful. You are an unfaithful lover. You take his blessings, store them for yourself, and use them to come up for you against his will. The goal here is if I gave you an option, would you rather do it my way or would you use all of that I have provided to make your way better apart from me? You had no need of any future bread because I made sure you ate every single morning. I mean, can you just see if you had a husband or a wife and you said, I'm coming, baby. i am gonna put the bread on the table every single day. And she decided to take some of that money that you've been hard working for and stack it up in her account, then go get a second job don't even tell you about the second job put her money in that account and then spend it on a lover spend it on herself you over here working every day giving her you know baby here goes something for you and she decided to go get a separate job with separate money now why would anybody do this because a hurt person might have a coping strategy that says I have to be ready in case this doesn't work out see y'all the one I told you I gotta protect myself provide for myself I gotta make sure I have something just in case this doesn't work out see now you're treating the God of all gods who saved and rescued you as if he is some scrub on the side of the street that you gotta protect yourself just in case he gonna leave you why would he leave you when he came to get you you so hurt, you can't even see the truth in front of your eyes. Why would he leave you when he died for you? Why would he abandon you when he abandoned all to gain you? Why would he leave you? He proved to you I want you. He proved to you that I desire you. The fact that he came and rescued said he wanted you. The fact that Christ died on the cross said he, he wanted you. What you're scared of. He's proven to be a good lover. He's proven to be a good father, a good mother, a good, whatever it was that jacked you up into thinking you have to protect yourself against God himself. He's proven it. You are just unfaithful. they you, that's you. You're just unfaithful. You know, back in the day, they would call you a whore. Every time you see better opportunities somewhere else, you try to keep this and get that. That's, that's whoredom. You want God's blessings and some others just in case. You'll do what God said, but you're also gonna keep your other options open just in case, ooh! You ain't right. And you say, well, no, it's not that. I mean, I believe what pastor said. Oh, but pastor could speak life to you when you was in distress. And pastor could come and Moses you out of Egypt. But all of a sudden, now you don't know if you should trust pastor's words. Pastor's words was the ones that got you up out of Egypt. Hello, I be your Moses. It's the same words I say, y'all better put that man in back. It's the same word. And the truth of the matter is when he gave you an opportunity to come see him for yourself, because of the condition of your heart, you chickened out. That's what happened at Mount Sinai. When they complained about the bread, then they said, you know what? We don't have no meat. Hello? We ain't got no meat. At least when we were in Egypt, we had meat. Now, I... I, I You've heard this story before you could see running in this person is already the plans to be unfaithful. You are comparing your new life with me, with what I'm not giving you that you had in bondage. You're looking back at your slavery to an abusive master. As somehow you are missing something good. You mean it? To, at least when I was with Johnny, Johnny did. So. At least when I was out there, you know, I always had. At least when I was doing it, my I always I never had to worry about. And and I try to tell people, hey, be careful, silly. You are over romanticizing your past. Did you forget that Johnny beat you upside the head? Did you forget that Pharaoh was tormenting you? Did you forget that you hated sinning? Did you forget the broken hearts and the lonely nights? Did you forget the pain and the suffering? Did you forget the depression and the oppression? Did you forget the agony of it all? All you seem to remember is that stupid piece of flour that he brought you and that that little money he put in your pocket and that little kissing that he did. That's all you can remember. (laughs) When they loved me, they made me feel special. Quail quail but you don't remember nothing else about that and I have to stop people hey you're over romanticizing your past there's nothing back there if you're gonna remember it remember it fully remember all of it remember how you didn't feel safe there remember how you always questioned about your eternity there how you was afraid you might die and go to hell do you remember that do you remember that? Why you remembering quail and birds, how you, how you might be displeasing to God. Do you remember that? Cause I know when you were there, you remembered it because you can't have the peace of God without holiness. Do you remember all the lack of peaceful days and nights that you had, where you had no peace about the direction of your life? But, and, and it was up to you to try to make the best out of everything and you always worried even though you worked at it but when there's holiness there's peace while you work you're still working at it but I've got a peace that is somehow all of this is gonna pan out for me somehow it's all gonna work out somehow miss Barbara it's all gonna work out I don't know what it is but it will some kind of way however God leads hello somebody I'm working but I have peace but it still requires work with your silly self. Supposed to be be over here now working Do you recognize we were leaving Pharaoh's Egypt through a desert? What did you expect it to be? No, pause here for a second. I'm going to lead you out. There's nothing but desert from here to promised land. What did you expect this journey to look like? The fact that I led you to bitter waters was a plus. The fact that I can lead you to 12 wells and palm trees is a plus. The fact that I can rain manna down is a plus because technically you are in a dry and barren land. You embarked upon this journey called life and you expected that it was supposed to be nice and sweet. Did you read Genesis? We jacked everything up out of our own selfish ambition, thinking that somehow God kept something from us that was good. And so our passions led us astray and to disobey him. It was still wrong. And to this day, the only solution to that fallen nature is that your passions do not cause you to disobey. Doesn't that that fit? If your passions to be like God cause you to disobey even God himself, then the only remedy of a new nature is that your passion will cause you not to disobey. If you love me, then obey me. If you love me, then obey me. Obey me unto death. Obey me in suffering. Obey me in pain. This is the only remedy for our terrible nature. What did you think this life was supposed to be about? Evilness all around, a mad devil, it's dry, it's barren. Your parents apparently, for some of you, provided a wonderful, nurturing home because you really got out here thinking this was supposed to be a wonderful place. The rest of us were like, uh-uh, I knew it was gonna be disastrous. But nevertheless, you were not mentally prepared for the wilderness experience, were you? I could tell, because you think that somehow he's gonna take you through You've never built anything with anybody, I can tell. When you build something with someone, there's always a point when it's hard, when you're building. And every human being, man and female, want somebody that will ride or die with them that when it gets thick and heavy you're not gonna leave me hello somebody you're gonna stick with me when it looks the bleakest everybody wants me and prophetess Barbara had that tango it looked bleak all the time she said I'm gonna stick with you I was like leave me (laughs) save yourself prophetess Barbara this ship might sink and I'm okay with whatever God wants she's like "Uh uh-huh yeah but he doesn't want that I said okay I said I will leave this up to you you declare it let's go if you say he doesn't want it then he doesn't want it if you say he wants it then that's what he wants I surrendered that to her does that make sense cuz I could not fight that battle but we had a bond and a union that said we're gonna stick together till we have to call it the end one day she said well what do you want to do well you already know what I'm gonna say I'm gonna say let's keep fighting even though I don't want to keep fighting because we understood that about each other she's a fighter I'm a fighter we are gonna get low but if you ask me do I want to keep fighting is it over yet no then we'll oh, just keep fighting till we die opposed <laughs> it was obvious I already knew what she was gonna say she already knew what I was gonna say when it got the bleakest this is how you build with people you don't know how to build with God you're supposed to go out in this wilderness and y'all supposed to be building a life together but you don't seem to recognize when he starts implementing, this is what I want our life to look like. I will take care of you in every way. You got to go out, I'll provide. You take what I provide, you make it into something great. You serve me with that something great. I'll give you more. You take that that I give you, you make it greater, and you serve me with that greater. Now, in all the days that we do this, I want one day where we're not doing that where I'm not giving you something to go make great that we just sit and we enjoy what we have together. That was the purpose of not gathering on the seventh day. He wanted to set his household with you that says there's a time when we're just enjoying each other. You're not working. You're not trying to level it up. You're not, you call it boring. He calls it contentment. We're not striving for anything. We're not trying to stack up cheese and paper. Everything is good. We just enjoy this time, this Sabbath rest. This Sabbath rest was so important that he patterned how he created the whole world to let you know that he does not play about his day. I will work for you and you will take what I give you and you will make that work, but there will be and always must be a day where it's just you and me, baby, just you and me. And don't you ever disrespect the day that it's just you and me, me and you and forget the rest of this working and building. It's us together. And that is so important who doesn't want to feel that? Most of the problems you get into is because somebody is not reciprocating the type of affection that you want. He says, it is a law. We will spend time together. Is it a law? <laughs> like you don't want me to go get some? I can go get, no, 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 no. Don't go out there. Stay here with me. I can go get it right quick. No, 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 no. Let's turn on the TV. Eat this cereal we had in the pantry. Just watch some cartoons and sleep late. We ain't gotta go nowhere. We'll order in. We're going nowhere. Who doesn't want that? Who doesn't want the type of loyalty that says this is a law in our house? Okay. And technically, people and kids love those rules. Yeah. They says, Oh, this spending time with me is important to you? It is very important. It is so important that I went when I made everything I had this day in mind. If you met somebody and said, you know, I've been saving thousands of dollars in an account for yearly vacations for me and my future family. Who would not marry this person? <laughs> if she said, babe, you know, I've been living beneath my means a little bit, but I, now that we're married, you just need to know ever since I got my first job, I've been saving money so that me, you, and the kids every year could have a vacation before I even met you. Who wouldn't think that that was amazing? This is what the father did when he planned all of creation. I'm going to set a day that says, when we get together, it's always just us. Work is not a sin. You need to hear this. Hard work is a consequence of sin, but work itself is not a sin. He likes building with you. Before Adam and Eve fell, he was learning to tend to the garden, but it was casual and leisurely. It was ability to take what God had made and grow it even more. And the father loves building with his creation. You just are unfaithful as a partner as soon as he gets thick and heavy well it wasn't like that back in Egypt well at least I had this back there well why can't you give me this you could be they went three days without water three days oh no you didn't it was better that we were in Egypt see this lets us know that you already have the mindset that compares your great love to your abusive love and you look back at it with longing Do you understand? With longing. That's a horrible thing. Who wants to be married to somebody who looks back at the past with longing? Who looks back at what he delivered you from fornication, homosexuality, drug abuse, and remember the good old days? Nobody wants to be with somebody like that. This you? You got choices to make. Either you gonna own up to this so we can get this rectified, or You can try to deny it, but either way, this word will be preached in your hearing today.. But rather than go, you know what? If I'm building with somebody and it gets dry and it looks like we're about to die, I'm, hey, it looks like this. It look, <coughs> I'm a little parched. And she says, Well, do you wanna quit? <laughs> uh uh-uh. uh, ain't nobody trying to go back to that now. We're gonna, we gonna, we gonna, if I die, if I perish, and what? Let me perish. That's faithfulness, not to God Himself, but to the idea that you have received about your relationship. Like, if me and my husband, if I had one, okay, were building a business. And it got tough and our money was getting drained and the thing was falling apart. And he said, babe, look, this thing ain't working. You wanna quit, let's just cut our losses right here. That's what me and Barbara were trying to discuss. Cut our losses, that was my husband for a year and a half. Cut our losses right here, cut our losses right here. Just say we ain't gonna lose no more because it's getting expensive. Who don't want somebody to go? <coughs> ain't nobody trying to quit. When your lover says, "Ain't nobody trying to quit," you go, "Well, come on, and let's get to fight." I mean, both of you are encouraged. Both of you are like, "We're going to do this. We in it too. I mean, whatever happens is' us. Your bond is tighter, the business is tighter, everything works better." See why you unfaithful? Because you contemplate quitting too often. And if he asked you would you want to quit you'd be like yes <laughs> how do I know cuz you did cuz you did you got too tired of not having your own family I read a scripture in Psalms 113 that the Lord just blessed me with cuz I was like I got this big old house no kids as I told y'all Psalms 113 the end of it says and he will give the barren woman a house as though she had children I was like Well, you know, because back in the day, not having kids, man, you had no way of sustaining yourself. You gave me a house like I got kids to put in this house. You love me, don't you? I know you You just okay. Does that make sense? But you don't know how to be faithful. You want somebody to say, we're not quitting on your dream. This is what the wilderness experience was supposed to be like, we're thirsty. So you want to quit? Are uh-uh, we ain't quitting on your dream? You dream that we would be your chosen people. You dream that we would be your nation, your tribe, your holy nation. If that's what you wanted and you came to get us, we're going to ride this till the wheels fall off. Let's go God, me and you, us. That never happened. Never in the history of Israel's wilderness experience did they collectively say when things got tough, let's ride. Never. Every time things got tough or hard or they reflected on what they were missing, what they didn't have, what wasn't working, what was too bitter, too long, too dry, too drawn out, oh, that we might be back in Egypt. Oh, that we might have that old relationship again. Oh, we, oh that we might have that old job. Oh, that I might have that old money that I used to have. Oh, that I would With this sorry God here, this is why y'all don't need to get married. This is why I tell you, you don't have any understanding of loyalty. You are a user, an opportunist, and a Jezebel. You don't know how to be faithful. Don't come to me asking me, what your slip and slide self should you get married? If you can't be faithful to God, who is perfect, you're sure not going to be faithful to somebody imperfect. But you think he's supposed to give you something since you are imperfect. Give me something since I am imperfect so that I can be faithful to you. He tried that. It didn't work. He gave you water. He sweetened it. Gave you quail. Everything he gave you that you claim you needed in order to be more faithful to God, you never became more faithful. Well, if you give me a job, I, I won't be so hard that I can serve you. If you give me more money, then I can serve you. If you give me more time, then I can serve you. If you give me a husband, if you give me a wife, then I won't be sleeping around and 4K, and I won't be doing this. And it ain't true. You're just unfaithful. You're disloyal. You contemplate quitting and walking out. I know, because I got commitment issues. But there's one area I am never having issue about committing. And y'all already know what that area is. Who? I'm not married to this day because they say, if you want to marry me, you got to quit your church. <laughs> what I ain't going to do is leave God for you. That's never going to happen. Oh, never. But everybody's not like that. You've contemplated leaving God for what you want. Taking a break from Church taking a break from, you call it religion. No, it was boundaries and rules that you needed because you were stubborn. (laughs) Let me tell you something. I had Duke this weekend. Hello? I'm preaching better y'all acting today. You want me to come up here, back up here? Is it getting too hot down there? That's all right, because I'm gonna come back down there. But uh, I had Duke this weekend and um, I'm breaking him out. He's a very strong-willed child, extremely. We have some, some battles, but we get something stuck in his head. What he really gets stuck in his head is the idea <laughs> that he doesn't think he's communicating truthfully to me. Like, I don't know what he wants. He doesn't know that I know what he wants. The answer is no. So, <laughs> 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 so we go through this battle of him trying to trust that I understand him, but the answer is no. In his mind, he's always felt misunderstood and that's the thing he hates the most and he has a huge tantrum because no one understands i don't want that no ah! he can't stand it it's like i'm just so tired and people don't understand it is i have to work twice as hard to get him to know i do understand i understand that you want to do this yourself but I need to brush your teeth first. I know you know how to do it. Not very well. Let me brush your teeth. No! I can do it myself! He doesn't say this with words because he doesn't have his words yet, but everything about him shows it. So we've been working on this for many, many days, right? I understand you. The answer is no. And I know this is working with him because even when I say no, he still runs to me. I was like, no! Ah! I mean, I know you said no, but where else am I gonna go? I wish we had that type of loyalty with the Father. I know you brought this to my life. I know you hurt me with this. But where else am I going to go? I know this is painful. I know you chose it for me. But who else can I run to but you? I say no, Duke. I know you have to tell me no. But you also have to be the one to heal. And restore, and c- come on, Pastor Pat, my back, comfort me, comfort me. I know you just told me no, and you got all this to my life and turned it upside down. But now hold me. What he's really saying is, I can handle that as long as you don't reject me. I can handle you telling me no, and I can handle you popping me. I pop this kid's hands. Let me tell you what happens. Sit, sit, sit. His mama comes to the new house. Me and Duke is at the new house, meeting contractors. <laughs> getting, some, getting some stuff done for the new house, you know, all right? And so, so me and Duke is in there running things, all right? Him and his God sis, handling business. His mom and his baby sis show up, I mean, his older sister show up, and they come in the house, and it's time for us to go. And the sister had his tablet, and I said, put his tablet on the floor, he can get his own tablet. So we are about to leave and I say, pick up your tablet. He says, uh-uh, let's go, I'm ready to go with you. You're gonna go with me, but pick up your tablet. <laughs> See, he's thinking, I'm gonna leave him. You're gonna tell me to get my tablet, then you're gonna run like you normally do. <laughs> I have to distract him and i would sneak out. So he's like, ain't nobody getting that tablet. I'm keeping my eyes on you. Pick me up, take me with you. I am but pick up your tablet I mean this lasts for like 30 minutes his mom he tries to run to his mama she's like sorry kid I was like I told you she's not gonna help you she wants me to break this out of you pick up your tablet I mean out of all the children that I had to break cuz I I passed to strong-willed people and thus they have strong-willed children and sometimes our children will be entrusted in my care for an hour or two. This one for days, okay, because, you know. And, and, and we break them out of this habit. He falls on the floor, he's crying, he's screaming. I come down, I whisper, pick up your tablet. We've done this before. Calm him down, pick up your tablet. He's just like, wants to hug me. No, I'm like, you have to pick up your tablet. 30 minutes, it's a standoff. And he's crying, incessantly, for 30 minutes. I mean, yelling at the top of his lungs. Don't you leave me! I ain't gonna try to get my tablet, then you gonna run out the door. Just, no, I don't want the tablet, I want you. I'm like, this is sweet, but you need to pick up your tablet. Come on. Then we try to calm him down, make a couple of games. All right, now let's go. Then he calms down, looks at me. He stretched out on the floor. Pick up your tablet. Refuses to be broken. Then he starts hitting himself. Pick up your tablet, ah, he's pulling on his hair. He pick up your tablet, ah, he's hitting himself in the face. Pick up your tablet, ah, he's just, I mean now he's just beating the snot out of his own self. This can't be. I didn't pop him for not picking up his tablet. I didn't pop him for crying. I popped him for hurting himself. What if all of the scourging wasn't because that he was just mad that you did it. What if the scourging was because he could see how what you're doing is hurting yourself. And what you ain't going to do is hurt the thing that I love. When I popped him for hitting himself, he cried, pick up your tablet. Ah! And I pop his hands and he put his hands up. I said, pick up your towel, like, and he pulled his hair, and I pop his hand. He looked at me, I mean, you should've saw him. Sheena, am I right? He looked at me like. And then he, I said, pick up your towel, like, tucking on his face, rubbing his eyes, pulling on his hair, and I pop his hands. He looks at me. So I'm not allowed to hurt myself? No. You are not allowed in my presence to cause harm to yourself. Shortly thereafter, I said, pick up your tablet. He picked up his tablet, cried, "Ah, ah," and ran to me with his tablet. (laughs) Okay, I got the tablet. Okay, now pick me up and let's go. He's still running to me after I popped him. He's still running to me after I caused him pain. He's still running to me after I disciplined him because he recognized where else am I going to go. You bring peace to my life. That's why Duke loved me. I mean, he could always have his mama, but I'm this extra entity that just brings a little bit of peace. It's a little different. It's like Granny Maws and Meemaws. Like I just feel something with her. I don't know what it is. She's, she beats me sometimes. She tells me no. And, and I don't know. Overall, I just I feel better in her presence. That's how the Father wanted to be with you. He chastens me sometimes. Sometimes he scourges me. And sometimes it don't feel good. Sometimes I know it's me and it's something I'm not getting right and it's something I'm not understanding. But most of the time when he actually pops my hands, it's because he doesn't want me to hurt myself. With Duke, I recognize when it comes to him, you've got to hurt him more than he could hurt himself. And some of y'all are just like that. You're so stubborn that he has to hurt you more than what you could handle pulling your hair. It's you pulling your own hair. What you can't handle is when I pop you and that thing sting. Whoa! He was running away from me. I said, dude, come here. He was running away from me and I had the little flimsy plastic fly swatter and I popped him on his diaper, but it went through the diaper. He was running. I was like, come here. Uh -uh. I said, "Duke, come here. Uh -uh. I said, "Duke, smack that. He said, He looked back at me. You call me? And walk right back. Then <laughs> not cry I was like, ah that stung a little. Did you call I didn't even did you were you calling me? I didn't even know. I wish you weren't that way. I wish that I could just reason with you and talk to you. But you've had too many traumas in your life. That have built a coping mechanism that you don't know how to turn off. So then I have to love you through. Come on, y'all. This is God speaking to you. Hello, somebody. I got to love you through your coping mechanism and say, Schmeckack, don't you play that with me. Schmeckack, I'm not that kind of lover. Schmeckack, I'm not that kind of daddy. Schmeckack, I'm not that kind of husband. Schmeckack, I'm not that kind of provider. Don't you play that with me. See me for who I really am, says the Lord. It's obvious Duke sees me. It's obvious. Everybody goes, what is it with you and Duke? I don't know. But I know he knows I see him, and he knows I, and I know he sees me. The Father wants that with you. I'm not even blood related to this kid. Where you know that he sees you, what you get, but you do not see him. He brought you out in this wilderness through a very rough patch called life in hopes that all your just qualities could grow and all of your unjust qualities through building a life together would decrease. But you don't know how to be faithful in building. Somebody has to tell you, hey, partner, you're slipping up. Tighten that up right there. You're not supposed to go. You're supposed to go, ouch, all right, let me tighten this up. Hey, I don't feel like we're spending enough time together. Tighten this up. Hey, I feel like you abandoned our time, our day together. Tighten that up. Hey, I feel like you're not really giving the way you're supposed to be giving. Tighten that up. You're not praying and spending time. Tighten it up. And you're not supposed to fall apart. And even when it's challenging and it's hard and it seems like everything is losing, and he says, do you want to quit? You're supposed to say, Absolutely not. It's us, me and you, to the day we die. And if you do that, you will watch God flex his muscles and give you a closing three hours before the closing is supposed to happen. And the, because I said, I would like for it to happen before Mother's Day. That's literally what I said. Father, if you're going to do it, can you do it before Mother's Day? And he moved mountains 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 because I said whether you give me the house or not it's you and me whether you whether you take away this grief and this pain it's you and me whether you whether my church grows or not it's you and me Whether I get husband and kids it's you and me I don't know what you need to know but you need to know one thing I ain't going nowhere why cuz you rescued me You picked me, you chose me, and I am learning how to be faithful. I am learning how to be loyal. I am learning how to be the kind of lover that you call for. I count it a privilege and an honor to love him that way. When I serve my boyfriend, and he's in town, I know I'm too old to have a boyfriend, it's so weird. (laughs) Should have a husband, but nevertheless. I love when he sees that I'm tired and exhausted and he says, babe, you don't have to make me any tea. And I get to say, no, 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 let me. I love when he acknowledges my pain and I get to elect to serve. It makes me feel good because I finally get to put him in a place that he has been putting me in. Y'all don't want to play fair today. Okay. I loved the idea of having the opportunity to serve God in the midst of my grief. It was the hardest thing I ever did. Don't ever want to have to go through that again. Still doing it. But not quitting was the only thing I could render to him. I don't know how it's going to turn out. I don't know if I'm going to be any good at pastoring while I'm mourning my mother. But it's... I'm not going to quit. If you want to keep going, you know, if you think I should keep going, if you think I can keep going, if you strengthen me, keep going. Whatever you say, what do you, you want us to keep going? Because you know I'm down. Bear in mind I'm falling apart, okay? Limbs is hanging off. I'm down for it. Let go. <laughs> Baby, sit down. You're, you're in pain. Just, ah, you're limping. Sit down. No, 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 no. We're doing this. We're doing this. This church was built off of the idea of blood, sweat, and tears that says we are doing this. You can't tell me that a church built off of that is not going to grow. Me and you, kid. I mean, you're a big kid, I'm a little kid. We're doing this. This This is going down. Where is your faithfulness to the Father? Not just to him as an individual, but to the concept of the life you're supposed to be building together. Me and God, this is a part of the life we're building together. It could be temporary, it could be permanent, who knows? But right now, it is a part of the life we're building together. The house apparently was a part of it. This is a part of it. You, individually, are a part of the life me and God are building together. You have a life that you and God are supposed to be building together but you don't know how to be faithful to the cause, to the call, to the journey. And every profane person like Esau that will sell their position and journey with God for a temporary fix, every nation of Israel that will sell who they're supposed to be with God for a little bit of quail dies in the wilderness. While the children of Israel never collectively made a decision to be faithful to God not till Joshua showed up and all of those people died individuals were allowed to when he got to Mount Sinai he says to them this is what we're seeing in this in the bounds in in the book of Hebrews he says you've not come to a mountain full of smoke and fire he's referring to when after Israel complained about the water the manna, the quail. Did y'all know that when they asked for the quail that they actually died from eating quail? Everybody, nobody read the rest of that. I didn't even read the rest of that, I just thought they got sick. The Bible says in the latter verse in Exodus that that's where they buried the people that gave in to their, what was the word? It wasn't lust, it was, it was a word that is very familiar to us that we don't see very often. Gave into it wasn't lust. Y'all can't. Okay. Well, thank you. Cravings yielded to their cravings. The quail was a craving. And since they cried out for it and pestered Moses, Moses then cried out to God. And Moses had the same mindset as them. If you're going to make me have to endure the pain of listening to them cry out all the time, then just kill me. And it's the same thing they are saying. If we got to be out here just eating manna, what kind of life is that? You might as well just kill me. This is a terrible attitude to have with the God who saved you for himself. You think it's somehow so down bad. Like, Duke, look at me. I'm miserable. I'm, I'm, I'm so miserable I'm pulling out my own hair. You might, I don't even care what happens to me. Yes, you do. Watch this. Smack Okay, I care. You're having a tantrum. Trying to show that you don't care about your life. But that's not true, because as soon as he starts tapping on it, hold on now, hold on. I thought I almost died. Oh, Lord. Oh, 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 are you scared now? Oh, did you almost die? Did you, did you, did you, did you oh, 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 I thought you was ready to go. Take me now. You only feel like that in the tantrum. And if he could pop you in the middle of that tantrum with a life threat, Jesus. Oh, oh. Primarily not because of the death, but because you know at that moment, your heart is not right to meet your maker. So you need to be scared. You over here telling him that you don't even want this life because you can't have your way, you intrinsically know as soon as that car starts veering off the road, I am not ready to see you, this is too much. Oh, so, so we can admit that to a tantrum. Huh? And similar to Duke, when he pops you, then all of a sudden it becomes clear. So you can take more pain, but try to act like you couldn't take no more. You can't take no more challenges. I can't go through that again. I can't have that kind of experience again. Shmack Okay, maybe I can, but I really wish we could stop doing this overall. Good, me too, now pick up your tablet. Pick up your tablet, good. I wanna stop this whole process too but he's the God that changes, not you will pick up this tablet. Will you will repent to a place where there is no repentance accepted. Cause you don't know if this pop is the one that kills you. This is the one he's actually taking you out. It wasn't a near death experience. It was the experience itself. You don't know when he calls it for you and he should anytime he wants. Because he's right. He knows what he put in you. One of the verses I love, it talks about how the law of God is not mysterious. Hello? It says the word of God is, the law of God is not mysterious. He said, I'll put it in your heart. I'm going to show you, let me find it. I thought I wrote it down, but maybe I didn't. I know I should have been better at this, but I... I ask the Lord to give it to me faster and smoother. But maybe you need to meditate. I'll find it. I'll put it in your group me. Yeah, I'm going to keep going. But it talks about how the word of God is not a mystery, that he puts it in your heart so that it's not something that is hidden you know exactly what the father wants. You know exactly what he desires of you. You just don't wanna do it. I forgot to tell you when I was telling Duke to pick up his tablet, a couple of times he picked it up and threw it down. Pick up your tablet, picked it up and threw it down. So he knew what I wanted. He just didn't wanna do it. He wanted what he wanted more. But out of love for him, I'm not gonna let you hurt yourself and I need to train you to want what I want, to want the life that I want for you. This was the whole aspect that God was coming with the Esau and Chastening. You need to want the life that God has planned for you. You need to want that life. You need to recognize that all the pain, successes, 12 wells and 70 palm trees and three days of thirst and bitter water is a part of that. It doesn't exclude it. It's a part of what he wants for you. It's a part of where he's taking you. Because you are coming not to a mountain. Now, this is, the, I'm going to get to that point and then we'll let you go. When they got to, he says about how if you're not coming to a mountain, you're coming to uh, not a mountain of smoke and fire, but you're coming to a cloud and a company of angels, people that have been there, people that were just, that were made perfect. He has to get you to a just standing. a just standing. Nothing says a just man like a man that is faithful to death. You can be an imperfect man. You can make a million mistakes, but everybody knows when you're a faithful kind of person, now you know what? That's a good man right there. He's just. He's loyal. Made a ton of mistakes, but he'll ride or die for you. She made a ton of mistakes, but she'll ride or die for God. That That's just not perfect, but he takes just people, crosses them over to glory and makes them perfect. But you have to be just the conflict in your lives is to develop justness, justification, the Bible calls it. The theological term is justification. The spirit of God justifies and sanctifies us, takes you through your wilderness experience and teaches you put that manna down stop complaining. Where's your team spirit? Because even though he rejected the children of Israel, he told them, come to the, he said, you're not coming to that. You and I aren't coming to this holy mountain with fire and smoke. Why was a mountain full with fire and smoke? Because they were so unfaithful. God wanted to visit them. He had been leading them and guiding them, but he wanted to visit them. He wanted to be in their midst. But every time Things got rough, they thought about their old life, their old love. Romanticized about a tragic situation that he delivered them from. He provided for them, they turned aside. He gave them what they begged for, it wasn't ever enough. Helped them out with this, I mean, you could have also gave me that, it was never good enough. I mean, where was your wherewithal to know that you were in a dry and barren land? Is it supposed to be the Ritz Carlton? No, it's a fallen world. Did you know that? But look what he did and now he's kept you in a world full of sin. Did you see the shootings? Look at this. It wasn't you. It wasn't your family. Look at this. No one woke up to death this morning. Look at that. Hello, somebody? Those days come, but it ain't today. Look at you, you right today, you with 12 wells of water with 70 palm trees. Live it up, people. Enjoy it for what it is, and be ready to be faithful when things get tough. But trying not to enjoy the oasis only makes you bitter. Your coping mechanism with a bad lover It's to always be ready for things to fall apart. But that also means that you can't enjoy when they're not falling apart. You can't enjoy the friends that you really have. You can't uh, enjoy the support system that you really have. You can't enjoy the little bit of money that you really have. You can't enjoy the little bit of free time that you really have. You can't enjoy any of it because it's never enough. And then something else down the road is going to happen. People in Israel having two different living experiences in the wilderness. Some were you. Some of you. It's never enough. It's never good enough. And in a minute, even what I do have, the bottom's going to fall out. So I have to always be ready. Others are having a different type of experience. When God tells them, don't come over here to me no more. Stay out. He then he says, well, some of y'all can come to the tabernacle and anybody that wanted to inquire of the Lord get to go to the tabernacle. Anyone that wanted to inquire of the Lord got to go to the tap. It, he rejected everybody. But now said now some of you, not collectively all of you, but individually, if you want to hang out, meet me at my house. Other people, I ain't going over there, okay? Because it's hard, it's tough, it's hot. When are we going to get out of here? They say, I don't even know if Moses went. And they just all just complaining and talking. Other people like, you know what? I wonder if the Lord wants me to take this water and use it for like the next three days. Let me go ask him. And just walk up right to his tabernacle meeting and ask him with Moses. Some people like Joshua and Caleb saw the power and might of God and he'd equip them to cross over. Others let their their cravings get the best of them and they ate of the quail that he gave them they were supposed to look at that quail on all that quail and go we done messed up <laughs> when they woke up the next morning and it was quail three inches high miles and miles they were supposed to look at that and go that can't be right the people that ate it died the people that didn't Now, bear in mind, there were people that did not give in to, when they realized, okay, my craving made me complain against God, I should probably not. It was not a warning for them. There was no warning. It was, all right, now, guess we got our quail. You had a whole hissy fit, and you are celebrating that you got what you wanted from a temper tantrum. Do you know that that only makes you worse? You will die in your sin because you're eating what you got from a temper tantrum. Y'all better look up because I am not going to say this again. See, I know what it is. That's why he did the next thing. See, so you still think he's playing. You do. Because you're responding to me as if this is a joke. That's fine. Because the next thing he did, he said, all right, I'm on my way. What? I'm on my way Moses tell them they better wash themselves get their stuff together because in three days I'm coming down there mama on, his way, on her way home daddy gone on his way home so they go and they do a rush job of trying to clean themselves up and he says listen when I get down there I'm so mad put boundaries around the mountain don't let them cross it if they cross the boundary stone them or shoot them with an arrow anybody that touches the mountain, but I'm coming down there. And he comes down, and before he arrives, the whole mountain is set ablaze. And it's thunder and lightning and fire. And then when the fire calms down, three days later, God comes down, and it's just smoke and dark, and you hear his voice, Moses, and it's just loud, and the trumpet is like blowing. and louder and people are like oh my god he's here all right we've been cutting up even though they have cleansed and washed themselves they know in their hearts how unfaithful and unloyal they have been and it is no matter of washing that will ever take them away when he steps down in his fury you instantly know I ain't do none of this right. I didn't do none of this wrong. And so the idea is Moses, could you just go for us? Give me a chance to get this together. Give me a chance. Moses goes up, talks to God. God's like, yeah, uh huh. Go back down there and tell them they better not touch this mountain. Moses' like, God, you ain't got to worry about that. I already told him. Everybody is scared. I put boundaries up, like you said. They're not going to do it. He was like, go, do what I say. He had to go back down and tell him. Now I'm thinking, who is trying to come up to God with all of this? Who? Even Moses himself was trembling. I am trembling. He says, I was scared out of my pants. I was trembling the whole time. Who was going up to that? But apparently, someone would have tried. apparently someone, the Bible says, wanted to seek his face. God has an issue when you decide impulsively out of your passions that you want to seek his face, but you did not want to learn his ways. Oh, oh, here it is. You thought you was doing so good by trying to seek his face. I want to be close to you. I want to be in your presence. Oh, you done hoard around for three months straight. Now you decide to rush up my mountain to seek my face. But when I tried to reveal to you who I was through the manna, when I tried to reveal who I was through the job, when I tried to reveal to you who I was through the relationship, who I was through the, the family, who I was through the drought, you didn't want to know me but now you want to impulsively come seek my face just like Eve. No, I want to be more like you. No, 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 no. You don't get to seek my face the way you want. It has to be my way. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth and the life. You don't just come up. Anybody that comes to the father has to come through him obedient to the point of death. You don't get to disobey and then be like, yes, now you are trying to abuse other people. You have no right relationship, but you're demanding intimacy. You have no justness in how you handle him, but please show me you. Fill me with your spirit. For what? You didn't even want to know his ways. The law was a part of that. All the stuff you didn't want to do was a part of it. And now you have the unmitigated, entitled, Hissy fit idea that you get to have a temper tantrum to get God to show him your His strength, and when He shows you His real strength, you run scared because you know you can't approach it because your heart ain't been right. Pastor's over here trying to tell everybody oh, it's okay, run to Him. I'm like, run to Him. It's hard. It should be. Keep going. Run to Him again. He don't act like he I don't hear him. Good. Keep going. He act I don't I don't feel him. Good. Keep going. See the old days we call it tarrying. Hello, somebody, because you done cut up next to the fool for so long. Now you want God, you want to feel his presence. You want to speak in tongues. You want to feel wrapped up in his peace and contentment. Oh, do you now? Well, call on his name. We don't make you tarry here, but you will have a tarrying experience. Well, if you really want to intimately know God, you're going to have to show that baby through time spent. He's not mocked. You don't really love him. You love the blessings. And if you could figure out a way to get the blessings without the responsibility, that is exactly what you do. If you could figure out how to get the blessings of the money without actually having obeyed God, hello, somebody. If you could figure out how to get the blessings without having to suffer, how to get the blessing without having to go through any pain. I know because you want gastric. I know because you want, you want a pill. I know because you want the weed. I know you're trying to figure out how to get all the peace and all the contentment without having to do none of the work. I'm a proponent of antidepressants. I recently had to take them, but I did work. I worked for almost two years of trusting God to the point where the grief was changing me. I said, God, I'd rather be changed by your hands and not the pain. I'm trusting professionals. This is what the professional says I need. But it took work. And even the pill isn't a quick fix. It takes work, you know why? Because I got sheep that try me. That push me to my limits. To want to know if the spirit of God is still working while I'm medicated. Jesus. Who would do such a thing? You. Want to know if I can still clearly discern while I'm medicated and I see Satan running around. Jesus. Jesus. But I don't care what your ignorance don't understand. Don't faze me none. You're children. I'm an adult. Do you understand? I parent you. I don't force you to parent me. You ain't got to worry about me. I worry about you. And some of you didn't have good parents, so you don't know what it means when someone parents you, and it's not the other way around. I tell you, I said, you don't serve me, you serve God, I serve you. You serve this house, you don't serve me, I serve you. Someone looks after you. And you don't know how to receive that. So the idea is we have to break that cycle, that someone could serve you, and look after you, and care for you, I wonder how you're doing and you are not responsible to care for me. You're responsible to be obedient to God and that does sometimes bless me, but it is not your responsibility. Does that make sense? But it's my responsibility to look after you emotionally, spiritually and physically all of those ways so that you might feel tangibly what God is trying to show you spiritually looked after, cared for so that when he says now build with me, you'll go, Yes and amen. When he says, now trust me, yes and amen. When he says, do you want to quit? No. Why? Because I see your loving kindness and your faithfulness in spite of my triggers, in spite of my coping techniques, in spite of me. I see you and saw you always reaching out to me. So no, now that I finally got my right mind, I'm not leaving you. I was disillusioned, delusioned. My cravings got the best of me. So he says, put a bound around that. Don't let them come up. Later scriptures revealed that God felt rejected. Scriptures say that you're supposed to not neglect your salvation. In essence, when you remember how he saved you, you are required to tend to that not to let it be neglected like some garden that is overgrown by weeds. Some of us don't know how to tend to our salvation, how to think about, you know, when my mother passed, uh, Jewel asked me in different ones, Pastor, are you angry with God? I said, no. I did that once with my grandmother. He taught me about that. I said, no, I understood and I understand I can be in pain and not angry with you That's maturity and that's temperance A good parent can be angry with you Hello somebody I can be angry excuse me can be in pain and not angry with you A good parent can be in pain and not angry with you. I'll say it again, a good parent can be in pain and not angry with you. This is one, to identify past trauma. All right, and two, to say it is my responsibility as an officiant of of Christ to learn how to parent you so that my pain is not your responsibility. And some of you have grown up thinking that it is your responsibility to ease the pain of your parent. To ease their anger someone in your family, to be the joy or the light that you're, so that you never really pretended to, to get over your trauma so that they could be better, and no one cared for you. The father flips that on you and says, now I'm gonna care for you, but you have to be like a child, childlike faith. You have to trust all over again but when you decided to accept Christ, you were sprinkled with blood in that same covenant that says, I am also choosing you. And if you chose him, then you're saying, I can't imagine anybody better to reparent me, mm-hmm. to regrow me, to redirect my life, to guide me and lead me through things that I don't understand. when the, the pillar of smoke and fire was on top of the mountain or bounds put around, and Moses had to go back down and warn them not to break through those boundaries. Because sometimes our impulsivity, when we finally do know what to do, how to make it right, is now misplaced. The boundary was set To protect them from themselves because while you know that you were wrong you don't know how to handle me and if you mishandle me you're hurting yourself so the boundary was a pop on the hand to say that's not how it's going to be done don't cross that line as a pastor we have to learn and maintain proper boundaries and everybody in my house knows pastor is real cool oh she laid back but there is always a line. And she will tell you when your toe cross that line. She don't cross it, you don't cross it. You both look at it. There it is. Excuse me. It's a toe on the line. You might want to back up. My apologies, Pastor. My apologies. I know we was all laughing and playing, but you just cussed in my house. My apologies. My apologies. Put that toe back over there. Have some dignity, some honor, some something, I don't know what you need, but maintain. <laughs> because if we become too common, then I can't help you. You'll be hurting yourself. You look at me in such a way that says it's not possible to be faithful to God. Something you conjured up by based off of what you think you saw in our common interactions. But I keep it open so you can see the full picture. Pastor, she got a boyfriend? Mm Mm-hmm. But do you fast before your boyfriend comes to town? Oh, so maybe you guys can't Netflix and chill. Do you seek God? Do you know what that pain looks like? Have you been prepared to say, I will serve God if I don't get married? Because that puts a whole new spin on your interactions with your boyfriend or girlfriend. Or do you still secretly long for this craving? And if given a ton of it, you'd eat it. You got nothing but free time? What did you do the last time he gave you quail everywhere? Did you eat? See what I'm saying? The last time he gave you liberties. I do this with people all the time. Have some liberties. Let me see what comes out of you. That's interesting. I really thought you wanted this for the journey but nope we got to have boundaries again lines and rules because you don't really want to join God with this you're still playing the harlot but when you wanted to join him right when you want to join him it's like no I'm good I don't even want him to think now I'm gonna call him cuz I don't even want him to think that I'm out here doing dirt see that's what it's supposed to be When you were unfaithful, hello, you don't get to say, well, forget it then. You are the unfaithful one and it behooves you that he doesn't say, forget it. You should be saying, okay, but where else am I going to go? Who else is going to make me feel the way you feel? Who else is going to soothe me in the midst of this dry and barren land? Where else can I go that's not back to you? Don't let your pride write a check that your butt can't cash. You talking big noise. And your temper tantrum. You can't cash that. You know you was a basket case. And you would be a show enough basket case without the father. Don't try to look sane now. I know you're crazy. Try look. I'm 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 who's the best? My relationship with God is perfectly normal. It is. It's it's a reasonable relationship, like everyone else is in here. If it's like everybody else is in here, you is crazy. You is crazy. <laughs> the smoke on the mountain was supposed to deter them. But he said, run out. Make sure and warn them. Moses said, we will shoot anyone with a bow and arrow or stone them to death because they're not allowed to touch. Whoever touched the mountain, they can't be touched. Like, kill them from a distance. I don't know what was going to be on that mountain. And it wasn't just humans. It was also animals. This is the first time that the animal and the man was put on the same level. As responding to cravings without any temperance. When the world says that we come from monkeys and animals, some of us do. But some of us were created new, yeah, yeah. born again. The amygdala part of our brain is now being overridden by the spirit of Christ and not the serpent, which had the amygdala, the same brain part as with the same brain as in the serpent. That same part, we share the same. Serpent and humans, the amygdala stem. Exactly the same, right? Crazy, isn't that interesting? But worse, s- now he says shoot them kill them, whoever crosses the mountain now okay did you guys catch this the children of Israel and I'm gonna leave them on this point Were not allowed to touch the mountain there was borders put up and they were prepared to stone and shoot with arrows anyone who came up to that mountain who was who was gonna shoot who was gonna shoot the person that came up to the mountain the children of Israel the children of Israel could have broke out to touch the mountain to do what God told them not to do out of their passions, all right? And there's also the children of Israel that had to shoot anybody that did. Ooh. 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 Wait, Ooh. ain't no other people. It's children of Israel. Be prepared to shoot your brother, cousin, nephew, whoever, if they touch that mountain. Excuse you? Can you talk about conflict? Some people rose up on the mountain all right, we ready? Surveying the land back and forth. Watching to make sure nobody crosses that line. Who are these people? Israel themselves. Excuse me? Conflict. There's only one thing that will increase. The traits that you need for where God is going while decreasing the parts that will destroy you when you get there. And that is internal conflict, internal conflict. You have to become your own enemy of your own weaknesses. It is not my responsibility to stand as a watcher on your wall. It is your responsibility to stand on a watchman as your own wall to the spirit and holiness of God. You got to fight yourself. Jesus. Quit trying to get me to do it. You are you trying to get me to lay down laws and rules? Cause you don't want to be the bad guy to yourself. Well, yourself is trying to kill you through your passions. Your impulsivity, your reckless nature to know God in a way that he has not given to you. Why? Because you were unfaithful. So now you have to stand at a distance until he changes it, and the part of you that will want to push through, break through that, he says no to, but you're like but, but I really mean it this time, I really i am sorry, here let me show you, no. But I promise, uh, just let me just, just let me just, no. Why won't you just, no, but why can't I, no, but no, 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 pick up your tablet and let's go you will do it my way and not yours. I do understand what you want. In order to get there, you have to do this. You have to cut that relationship. You have to stop handling your money that way. You have to stop eating that way. Stop handling your time that way. Stop handling your children that way. Stop. Here's the boundary. Here's the rules. This is how it's supposed to go, but I want to be free. I don't want all these rules. No, pick up your tablet. Let's go. The desire you have to be free with Liberty and God. He wants that for you, but there is a way he wants what you want. The Sabbath rest of peace and not have to all these dictates and rules and the fear and the fiery mountain. He wants the same thing, but you did not want to learn his ways. So now we have to go through the law again. This is why, and this is why, and this is why. In hopes that you might love building with him. I don't know who you are in that way. I have the best view of you, that everybody wants to be that way. But only you really know. If your heart really says to the Father, I wanna build with you. Or do you say, YOLO? You only live once, oh well, I'll get while I can. Or God is no different than everybody else and every other disappointment in my life. If you choose not to tend to your own salvation, that's your fault. You let that stuff, those weeds grow. You're supposed to go to that weed and go, get out of here. God is not like that. And he did save us and he is faithful and he can be trusted. And I'm not going to, and you're supposed to tend to your own garden. You're supposed to guard your own mountain. It is not my responsibility. It is yours. You say, I want to be right with God. I want to serve him loyally and faithfully, justly. And quit pushing that off on me. Standing all over the house. Internal conflict is what produces holiness. You're either the one with the arrow and the stone, or you're the one shivering in fear below. But internal conflict, stuff that you want, that you can't have, you begin to see how plain and clear that God doesn't want you to have it. how obvious it is you begin to see where he's not leading you what he's not giving you it is obvious the father doesn't want me married yet why because he did I'd be married so rather than shaking my fist in bitterness complaining that somehow my life I get whatever he wants is what I will do it's my reasonable service to a God that saved me from my misery and I remember being miserable. I tend to my salvation, and I remember those days, not as fond things that I'm missing, but as a great mighty rescue that the Father did on my behalf. (laughs) They're not filled with pain and agony, they're filled with his great love. Because when I see my shortcomings, and how Satan had me bound, I also remember the valiant warrior of my God that came and rescued me out of that pit. Not just once anybody been there, not just twice, but time and time and time. I look back at all my most painful things and I see the strong arm of God. And for that, I decide to be faithful. I choose to be loyal. I choose to trust him. I choose. I choose to endure. I choose to build. Listen, if that's you and you want to physically make a symbolic stand to say, Father, in every way that I haven't chosen you, I want you to know that I'm choosing you today. Come on to the altar, just come to the altar say that before the father, you can go back to your seat In whatever way that I have not been choosing you, I see the error of my ways and I want to choose you. Come on. When you believe you said that to the father, you can go right back to your seat. This is me choosing you in the name of Jesus and all the ways that I, I shortchanged our relationship and all the ways that I, I rushed it and all the ways that I just desired to get past the rough patch and, and not really want to take it in for what it really is and, and all the ways that I rushed through my oasis and, and I rushed through my gardens and, my, and all the times that I just was so worried that I couldn't enjoy the present and all the ways that I wanted to quit and give up and all the ways that I turned back I want to commit to our life together I want to commit to our life, to our journey. Come what may. Come what may, I want to commit to our journey together. I want to commit to the rough times. When I'm thirsty. When I'm dry. When my cravings come up, I want to say, Lord, I'm not quitting on you. Come on in the name of Jesus. I'm not going to start stacking up paper. I'm not going to try to do the come up thing. I'll eat what you give me I'll survive with what you give me this is a wilderness time and I want to grow in my love for you my faithfulness this wilderness is a temporary phase one day I will be in that great promised land and the promises that you have for my life will be fulfilled one day that promise that you promised me will be there it is not today and since it is not today I am gonna learn you This wilderness was a time for us to get to know each other. You wanted me to have a good rhythm with you of of working together and Sabbath resting together and working together and resting together. And I am messing this thing up. Forgive me. I reject all previous lovers. I reject all past lovers in the name of Jesus. I will no longer, you have this commitment. I will no longer think of them fondly. I will no longer think of that time fondly. I will think of you in that time. I will see your hand deliver me from my enemy. I will see your hand deliver me from my passions. I will see your hand deliver me from my cravings. I will see your hand in every aspect of that time of my life, and I will no longer render it to that false God. What is true in those seasons is your enduring love and compassion for me, and everything else is a lie. What is true, let God be true, and every man a liar, what is true is my God was there. What is true is my God delivered. What is true is that my God healed. What is true is that my God was watching me. That was true of that season of my life. And apart from that, I know no other. I know no Pharaoh. I know no abusive past. I'm not protecting myself from you any longer. Come on. Who is that in the name of Jesus? I'm not protecting myself from you any longer. Help me be like Duke. I see you won't reject me when I have my temper tantrums. Help me to run to you. You really are my peace. Come on in the name of Jesus. You really are my peace. You really are my comfort. You really are the joy. I I don't know what's going on with me. Train me, teach me, love me out of my backslidden ways. If you don't do it, who can? But I thank you for just not rejecting me. Come on, in the name of Jesus. I thank you for not rejecting me. I talk big talk, but all I really want is for you to want me and accept me. I'm just grateful that you accepted me. I'm not going to be perfect. You know that. I know that. But by your grace, I will be just. Come on and tell them. You know, I can't be perfect. I know I can't be perfect. Come on. But by your grace, I will be what just come on in the name of Jesus. You know, I'm not perfect. I know I'm not perfect, but by your grace, come on and tell them I will be what just, I will be just, I will be just, I will be a just man. Come on and tell them I will be a just woman. I will be just now. Faith is accounted to them as righteousness. I will be just, I will be faithful. I can get it wrong, but I will be faithful. I'm gonna run to you. You'll scourge me, but I'll run to you. You'll chasten me, but I'll run to you. I'll wait here for you, O oh Lord. Who is that in the name of Jesus? I'll wait. I know I crossed the line, I complained too much, I did too much wrong. I'll wait. I'll wait with this border and I'll wait with this boundary to the day that you come and meet me. When you lift the veil. You remove that boundary and you invite me into your holies of holies. I'll wait right here. I'm no longer rushing my relationship with you, trying to get to the next bigger and best thing. I'm going to enjoy this. I'm going to enjoy it. Like a good workout, I'm gonna enjoy watching my arms flex and my strength and my discipline grow. I'm going to enjoy the sweat. I'm going to enjoy the tears. I'm going to see all that is producing, even though I don't like it, I'm going to enjoy it. We will build this together in the name of Jesus. We'll build it together. Father, I pray right now over every sheep under the sound of my voice that you will extend loving kindness towards them as you have done with me, that you will shower them with mercy and grace removing every unrighteous deed, act, and thought, purging it and cleansing it by your precious blood, and then adding to their hearts, minds, and souls so much righteousness, peace, and contentment. Give them joy in the name of Jesus. Give them contentment and peace and satisfaction. Give them hope and and a longing. Give them comfort and strength. Fill them by your spirit. It's in Christ's name that we pray. Come on, I'll give you a couple of seconds because not really, y'all really didn't return to your seats. So I'm gonna give you a couple more seconds with the Father. Come on. Come on in glory to the Father. Come on. Make strong commitments with him. Come on. Renew your vows with him. Come on, in the name of Jesus. Rededicate your life, the building of your life, not for me, for you. And if the house is in my future, not for me, for you. You make my life, I'm but clay. You are the potter, mold me, shape me. There are many vessels in my father's house. You make me into the one you want. Hallelujah. I've got 50,000 bowls in my house. 50,000 bowls. But there are certain bowls I want for cereal, certain bowls I want for chips, certain bowls I want for soup, Certain bowls I want for noodles. God can have 50 million types of bowls, but you are a specific type. He's trying to mold and shape for a specific area that brings him joy. You're unique in that way. You bring him joy in a unique way. Let him mold you. Let him shape you, not you. Don't try to fix yourself to be what you think he wants. Let him do it. Do it together. Get into a rhythm and a flow with God of working together and resting together, working together and resting together. Hallelujah.